everybody. Welcome to the Tech Rapid Podcast. I'm Robert Scarpanito, your features editor. Rutledge Doggett, site founder. Austin Soother, staff writer. Yeah, we have a guest this week. We have Austin Soother. Uh, because both Andrews died. Yeah, yes. well, well, that might be morbid. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little Maybe bit. you just traded like two Every Andrews time for one Austin. Mm-hmm. We, we traded two Andrews for an Austin. Yep. Yeah, uh, our resident Florida man stretch is off and away, uh, and then we've sw- swapped him in for Andrew Otten, who is our current resident Florida man because he is actually in Florida. So, I guess Watching it's his just... cousin play football. Yeah, so it's part of the lore of our pod, I guess, where we always have to have at least one person in Florida. Yeah. So that's yep. just the only way it all works. Makes sense. Yeah, it's the cosmic engine that keeps this art going. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Proteus and Diofield Chronicles later in the pod. But first, let's start with some news. E3 is, I mean, has been officially back. I guess it never left. It was always in our hearts, except for 2020 and 2021 and yeah. pretty it much 2022. And on the darknet. Uh, <laughs> so Pop. They are in charge of E3 2023, and they've announced the dates for the next year's show, where June 11th is going to be their, what they're calling, quote, partner digital events. And then the full physical show will start on June 13th and run until June 16th. And there's going to be, quote, registered industry personnel and media days, which is June 13th through 15th. And then E3 gamer days which are also on June 15th and then 16th. Yeah. So they're kind of I'm approaching it. splitting it. it. Yeah. yeah, like it's a Gamescom style approach, right? Where at first it's media, then everyone else can join in. Yeah, well, media the, year I, the year I went, it was public and media, and it was hard to get around. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people. Um, yeah. And one of the things I've always liked about uh, you know, Gen Con and some of the other ones I've been is is the early access as media at times to kind of scope things out ahead of time um, mm-hmm. and and have a little bit of extra time um, rather than having to kind of fight for I got to get from here to here in five minutes and yeah yeah, yeah way through the crowd yep <laughs> so. Don't they give you something like an hour or they gave us like an hour for media in 2019 and that was just not even enough to do like one appointment? Yeah, that's media hour. It's I mean, the show floor is huge. Demos could probably take up to an hour. So you only have like I remember us having to split up and like, all right, we're going to go to this game and that's like the only one. And then we had to. You know, like the crowds just start pulling in so mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah i mean pax has been doing it for a while that same way too where like there's an hour of media on the first day before everyone else can join in um if i had to guess they might do the same thing for like that one day that first day where it's public and media yeah where like media gets in early but at least at that point that's going to be the third day media can be there so hopefully by then you already are familiar with the show floor you've probably ticked off like okay i've already checked a b c now i need to go to d at least i have media hour to do that right yeah. um, I, mean, I guess we speak from a different perspective than most gamers and that we do you know yeah. we're there we're there to do coverage we're there to meet with developers and publishers and uh you know get the scoops on on games that we can share um so I think E3 is also kind of a, a whole nother beast compared to PAX in that it has always been heavily like promotion and coverage favored. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that they're sticking to that um, mm-hmm. because I think it's a lot of media has been frustrated with E3 the last couple of years in terms of how coverage has been handled. You know, even their their online offering was an absolute disaster. We got um, docs one time yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, I, it wasn't just one time you could get to like the past seven years when that that first time that the entire media list was available online yeah. with mm-hmm. personal addresses and phone numbers. I think that 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 shook a lot of confidence in in our industry in terms of like trust for the ESA and trust for E3 to handle our information. And uh, I mean, I think, again, Read Pop does New York Comic Con, PAX West, PAX East, so on and so forth, like 
they've got a a good track record of managing events um but this is different than any of their other events so it's it's it, it is nice to see them keep the spirit of e3 that we've had for so long going um because there's just there's a vibe to e3 that is hard to explain um yeah you know there's going to a con and kind of walking in and seeing this huge show floor but there's just this kind of energy around e3 when you're there because if you're media everybody around you is just as excited to be there as you are mm-hmm. so um i i hope to make a return at some point i know that we're talking e3 next year andrew and i are starting to talk through potential gamescom next year you know as an outlet we've grown enough that we can do more when it comes to these events so um definitely curious to see how next year goes and kind of expand what we do in the future mm-hmm. i think what i'm the most curious about from an experience perspective i mean i, I want to get away from us privileged hoity-toity game journalists <laughs> right like e3 media days or not media days e3 public days in at least 2019 from what i remember it was like a thousand dollars yeah. as a public person to get a full mm-hmm. pass into e3 compare that to pax it's like 200 ish 250 or so at most for like a full four day three day pass gen con's about two 250 for a four day yeah and then e3 is like yeah fork over a fucking grand to get in <laughs> and just and stand like, in line you're standing in line for probably like three games at most for like eight hours i don't know yeah. It depends on how popular the game was, but I know like Borderlands Three was really popping in twenty nineteen. There was like I mean Seven Cyberpunk. Remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why I'm curious to see because now this is Read Pop. Read Pop is generally more sensible with its prices. I'm very curious to see what the what they're gonna price. Only two days. You're only gonna get a two day pass for public, mm-hmm. right? So it'll be interesting how, how much it'll I be. Think- they'll probably stick in line with a lot of their other events and know that like if they price it right, they'll make up the difference. And I think that a lot of where E3 has stumbled in recent years and why it's kind of lost its bluster is number one, the pricing and number two, the pricing for devs and publishers. I think a big reason why we've seen even pre-pandemic, you know, Xbox and PlayStation and, and these guys all having their same events is the costs are astronomical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Reed Pop's got to contend with that and find ways to bring these larger publishers back into the fold and keep Nintendo and keep Sony and make sure they have a presence because that's what drives the value of these shows for the public is seeing some of the top tier um, biggest publishers and developers. Mm-hmm. So... Well, to me, that actually brings up a really good question, right? It's like, so especially that digital part of the show, the the two days before the official show, where they're going to be doing those like partnered marketing experiences, whatever they're calling them, right? Like, is Sony coming back? Is is Nintendo going to be like, that's cool. We're just going to do our Nintendo Direct anyway. So we don't give a shit. I wonder if EA is going to like, get rid of their ea play thing just partner with it or were they always partnered with e3 with mm-hmm. their play no, they, they've no. always been like we're gonna open our lemonade stand across the street and we're totally not related <laughs> to the other lemonade stand we're just there we're just there yeah yeah it, I don't that's know. interesting i think i think this year is going to be an important year in the history of the show in terms of we've not really had it the last couple of years and it's coming back it's coming back under new management and so my guess is a lot of media a lot of publishers and developers are going to be feeling this year out to be like okay is this really worth the investment every year when we mm-hmm. could just go to something like pax or gamescom which i say that i had to pull up the article but a one minute trailer in gamescom's opening night live was one hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars per minute um it's not cheap to to showcase at these shows and so devs are especially with the economic state that things are in at the moment um they're gonna have to contend with those costs and make sure that there's an roi tied to it so i think read pop has their work work cut out for them next year yeah yeah just because that that 
June time period is going to be so. I mean, it's always the summer games mess, right? Like mm -hmm. everyone's doing their own show, and if if you don't want to do E3, Jeff Keighley's right around the corner. You can just hit him <laughs> up, be like, "Hey, I've Hot got the next Elden summer. Yeah, I've got the next Elden Ring. I promise. Use it for one last thing, you know." So it's. I, I feel like this is going to be an uphill battle. Like I know Reed Pop is pretty good at putting on conventions. I've been to some really good ones put on by Reed Pop, but I think the the baggage that comes with the two letter phrase, two character phrase E three, is heavy. Yeah, I almost feel like it's going to be a make or break for them. Like this is their one shot to prove that E three is still relevant. Mm -hmm. And if not, then publishers will just, you know, they're convinced to do digital. I mean, already since E3 has been gone the past few years, we've seen all these publishers, you know, do their own thing. Uh, even smaller things like the Wholesome Games Direct, like, that's a great mm -hmm. way to highlight a whole bunch mm -hmm. of indie games. Um, so, uh, um, and I guess Steam, too, they throw up a whole bunch of demos, like, the and Steam almost like that's, yeah. It's basically so another one coming up. E3 at home, uh, or it can be. It has the potential to be. So I wonder, you know, what else can E3 offer that's different now <laughs> than what we've seen the past few years? Yeah, I think it has to change with the times. Again, like you said, like the these one-off shows and Steam Next Fest, like it, the way games operate now is so different. It's not physical media. It's not um behind closed doors type stuff it is everything is out there and it's yeah. not hard to get it out there anymore yeah. yeah well we'll have to see if e3 remains relevant in june but for now let's talk about something that will forever be in our hearts and forever be relevant <laughs> rest in power google stadia because google has made the difficult difficult decision to start winding things down and lay it to rest on January 18th, which is such a shame because that means we can't play Dead Space Remake on Stadia. Well, it's funny, too, because they... It was like, what, two months ago that they were like, yeah, Stadia is good, we're fine. Mm -hmm. And then this. Yeah. So... Yeah, and they say they've made the difficult decision this last week to wind it down. And I would argue they made that decision in December 2019, a month after they released Stadia, to start winding <laughs> things down. Because I don't think they've ever tried to ramp things up, at least from mm -hmm. like its business strategy perspective. Like there was never any big money moves, right? Like the exclusives were at best like double a tier games but there's no like an exclusive orcs must die three which then the year mm -hmm. after it was a stadia exclusive they remarketed it as coming out brand new brand new video game for all the consoles <laughs> orcs must die three let's not, shh, don't talk about stadia shh. <laughs> right they weren't uh, very quiet about it mm -hmm. uh guilt g-y-l-t that was one uh lost words i think Mm. yeah like that's the thing right these these indie games that are like i mean i'm sure they're great you know games that could be fun but that's not you know sekiro that's not god of war that's not you know an exciting game where someone's going to be like yeah i'll pay for a stadia pro subscription to play that because that looks so yep. cool right yeah i think what's well, interesting too you know, they have been talking like, we're fine, we're fine, everything's fine with Stadia. And then they just drop this announcement. And even developers who are supposed to drop games the same day that they made the announcement, and then like Mike Rose from No More Robots in November are like, okay, we spent all this time developing for your platform. Where's my money? Like, yeah, you know, this is there were a couple devs that that were 100% relying on this release as an exclusive to fund their studio and the question is what does google do now because if if you don't even give them notice for them to start planning and then you drop this like you are fundamentally potentially about to kill their studio yeah um 
And that's Wait. to me, that's just an insane business decision to be like, yeah, we're not even going to talk to you guys that are developing for our platform. We're just going to, you know, tweet it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was an insane business decision from the start because yeah. it was clear they were in it for the money, but there was no passion. Like when they did the presentation for it, Oh God, they had so boring. the CEO yeah. of Google or something like that, and he's obviously not a gamer, and he, and like, I know, you know, gamers, whatever, but it's clear he had no knowledge of what he was talking about, and um, it just felt really stiff in business, like, almost like Amazon trying to, you know, yeah. with their Amazon's games. You see good. similar results. They're not doing great, and so, yeah. At least the you Amazon... Can... Well, they also they're publishing games too so yeah, it's like okay yeah. there we go like they're doing something more than just like here's luna you yeah. know well i mean and you can contrast it with an event like search on that google did this week kind of talking about some of the new search features that are coming and it's like it is entertaining they all really care about what they're talking about and the features that they're building and like the idea of what they want to build with google search and google maps and kind of the experiences they want to create around it and stadia was just like you can play games in your browser later. Yeah. Um, and like, it was just jarring. It was like, oh, this could be really cool. And you get five minutes into the presentation and you're like, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that seeing the fallout of where, like what's happening now, now that we know Stadia is truly actually on the chopping block and not just us assuming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have... Ubisoft being like, okay, we can you can transfer all your purchases over to your Ubisoft like PC account, so that's fine. But then there's that one person who has like six thousand hours or something in Red Dead Redemption Two on Stadia, begging Rockstar to like, please, can I transfer this? Well, you know that dude's playing at work, so yeah, yeah. But just how much more can you play after six thousand hours though? Like, you gotta hunt those rabbits, man. I guess. That's, that's all crazy. I can think of. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's like so. wow level of hours for me. Mm-hmm. But in Uh-oh. a single player, big open yeah, world cowboy, <laughs> cowboy <laughs> rooting, tooting, shooting game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I guess to be fair to Google, they're at least refunding people who have purchased like hardware for stadia and games on the stadia platform they're refunding them through their google accounts which is cool but i guess there's no refund for six thousand hours right where where is how is that being paid back is it damages emotional uh damages maybe (laughs) therapy (laughs) what about you just that either way are you Um, getting your refund (laughs) mr local stadia adopter I, i don't i I kind of don't care if I do or don't, if I'm being honest, because I, I knew going in, this is a waste of money for me. So whether I get the money back, I am kind of indifferent. Cause Are you saying it was your sheep coin? I guess it was more of a like, if this works, cool, that's a hundred or so bucks well spent. If it doesn't work, well, it's Google. It's probably not going to work. <laughs> so, I think Google yeah. Graveyard. It's more yeah. it's more apt to con- or to compare to Ouya, you know, like Ouya. <laughs> I've got mine like yeah. right over there. Well, so there you go. One of It'll gaming's be... greatest inventions died way too soon. Mm-hmm. It'll be a nice paperweight. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, Stadia is just one of those things where it's like it could have been cool. And then Microsoft was just like, I see you've lit the torch. Now we're going <laughs> to take it and kind of keep running with it because you know the x cloud is doing what stadia was trying to do but executing with a better business platform and you know sensibility behind it where mm-hmm. purchasing things is easy and if you don't want to purchase you got game pass right so yeah. i guess you need game pass to do streaming but yeah all of that tied together makes way more sense than stadia's which is like you buy stadia pro to stream in high def but then you still have to buy games. Yeah. 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 I mean, Xbox has the advantage that if you buy it on X, if you have Xbox games pass, you can play it on your Xbox or X cloud. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, you're not tied to that specific platform. You can play it on PC. You could hop into X cloud. You can play it on your Xbox series X. Like there's a lot more options. Um, whereas Stadia is just kind of like, 
it's in this one place and that's it and if you yeah. want to like jump from one platform to another if you have you know six thousand hours in uh red dead redemption then uh seek help sorry i mean you have that uh the stadia controller at least like that's that's <laughs> at least got that's that. something right you at least it's got an... this super generic controller <laughs> yeah it's like an okay controller i think i saw it because it doesn't even have bluetooth so you can't even repurpose it to like be a controller for your laptop or something nice because it, it's supposed like you know the idea of the controller was to connect directly to your wi-fi so it's a direct connection to the server which is smart but then if you destroy the server you just have a hunk of plastic yeah you can make you can make a a a, a memorial um with it yeah <laughs> You know, and, and, and all the older in your consoles. Mm -hmm. Light some some LED candles around it, maybe. Yeah, maybe put yeah. a Pebble watch nearby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then another big businessy news sort of thing in the games industry. Uh, Saudi Arabia, the government of Saudi Arabia is going to be putting in, I think, about $37 billion in the games industry. And there was also that one story of this is the government of saudi arabia looking to spend like what is that 13 14 billion bucks for mm -hmm. to buy a big triple a publisher i mean they haven't said who or what but it's like they're willing to throw money at that i guess yeah 13 billion is a big number and that opens up the door to a lot of publishers i mean well and, or and or developers right like remember obsidian yeah yeah like didn't Microsoft buy Obsidian for like eight billion or something like that? Somewhere Seven in that range. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's nowhere. It's not going to be anywhere near the Activision Blizzard acquisition, but thirteen billion is still a very large developer publisher or multiple medium to large size mm -hmm. developer publishers. I mean, well, Bungie and... was bought for three point one bill. Yeah. I looked up how much uh, Nintendo was worth, and at least we we're in the clear there, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like I've seen rumors of people saying, oh, they could buy up Nintendo. Didn't they buy, like, a small share of it at the very least? Yeah, I'm they sure have, they have something. They have a share, yeah, but they're not, like, they don't own Super Mario and his best yeah. friend Luigi. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, all the other publishers they could buy. Obviously, they're probably thinking, well, you know, Sony and Microsoft and Embracer Group are buying up everything. We could, we better buy up something before we can't get into the gaming industry at all. And it's just going to cause even more fervor. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think along with Saudi Arabia, we'll see all these other companies like that are buying up a whole bunch and they're just going to be huge like groups now. I don't know. The whole yeah. landscape is changing very rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think it, it says a lot, too, about how much the games industry is worth when, like, you have to be waving around billions to be taken seriously yeah. when it comes to, like, purchasing companies in some way, shape, or form. Like, if you if they were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to, we have, like, $37,000. We'd like to buy a company. It's like, yeah, okay, buddy. Like, <laughs> good luck with that, right? Like, But then again, 37000 is, like, a lot of money to the average person, right? But yeah. when you're talking about companies, it's, like, chump change. It's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, valuations are a very interesting thing that I continue to try and understand. Yeah, how's the um, cheap coin doing? Uh, not well. Um, mm -hmm. At this point, it is uh, my Stadia. Ah, right. Um, yeah, it is also in the cloud. It is also in the cloud. Yes, yeah. um, worth absolutely nothing. Another yeah. way to say that went to heaven because it died. Mm. Mm -hmm. All dogs do go to heaven. All sheep yes. go to heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason we're, we've been talking about both Stadia and Saudi Arabia is oh that huh didn't expect to rhyme, but there you go. Uh, our resident favorite games journalist in the industry, famous Cuphead beater, um, Dean Takahashi, uh, wrote a story this week uh, called The Dean Beat, Two Stories That Show the Opportunity and Heartbreak of Modern Gaming, where he compares the heartbreak of Stadia announcing its impending death and the opportunity of Saudi Arabia putting billions of dollars into the industry. Uh, and it is full of some 
interesting there's takes. even mention of of the layoffs at future and some of our other colleagues as like an opportunity and it just like i don't know i i understand that that some people get very heated about dean and i think that you know it's not fair to be particularly nasty i just think that a lot of the word choice in that article was not good yeah. um it's it's very like investor geared, a very business yeah. focused. Right? It was too like, positive. Not a lot of kind of. It was just like this very. It, it read a little bit like a press release at times, um, in terms of like talking about the potential of of Saudi Arabia coming in, and it's been edited at this point to talk a little bit about uh, some of the human rights issues in Saudi Arabia, um, mm. the assassinations um, of journalists. Like I think there is there's a very negative connotation as Saudi Arabia, and that's not a thing against its people. It's more of a thing against its leadership, the government, yeah, the yeah. government, and the government getting involved with gaming, an industry that is immensely sexist, is um, incredibly abusive towards its workers and its people. That's not a good combo. No. No, it's it's kind of not. And to then kind of turn that around and be like, well, it's a shame that all of these stadium employees are going to be laid off, but at least Saudi Arabia will save them. It's like, for one, mm -mm. is the Saudi Arabian government the thing that will save gaming? No, not even God can save gaming. But even then, it's like, <laughs> I mean, even then, it's not like the Saudi Arabian government, like, we'll expect them to be like, hey, every stadia, every person stayed up by Lady, by stadia come to us we will help you we will fund you right like there's no guarantee that that's how it's gonna work no, that's right? wishful thinking like yeah. from an investment standpoint that's just not how it works it's not mm -hmm. you know oh our studio just lost our thing and somebody just swoops in and goes oh we'll, we'll buy it yeah. um it's just i get the sentiment i think that yes more money in gaming is good but two with money comes problems um, when you I think get there's a famous, capital involved, there's a famous you get parable about involved. that. Yeah, I'm sure there is. <laughs> Probably in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, of course, Dean was also, also... <laughs> 99 problems. Um, yeah. He was also getting flack for basically going, you know, there's all these human rights issues in Saudi Arabia, but you know what's pretty cool? More money into gaming, right? Yeah. And it, it's it just missed the point in the entire yeah. article. And like, it, it. I think that was edited out after, but it was just really well, poor taste. Yeah, because the original quote read, "Saudi Arabia has a lot of challenges around human rights, and it has an issue. It has issues as a nation for sure. These big investments might distract people from those things, but at least the nation doesn't have its head in the sand when it comes to recognizing the importance of gaming. And that graph has since been edited, or instead of saying distract people from those things he actually lists out some of those things like mm -hmm. how muhammad bin salman has a bit of a reputation problem as he says in the article which is putting it very lightly, very lightly. Uh, yeah and then mentions just the <laughs> just mentions the assassination of kamal jashogi the journalist so he gets into some of those quote-unquote issues but it's still like it's still a softball i think it, that... it took him being called out on twitter to put that there though well yeah and it's not even that it's a softball but it's still like the the sentiment is still okay so women have less rights in saudi arabia but at least they support the gamers <laughs> at, at least the oppressed minority known as gamers are being saved by saudi arabia it's like that isn't the best take to have. It's a it's a very yeah. business like cold calculating business decision type of take where like more money is better for the industry, but it's very businessy. I mean, business is very quick to turn a blind eye to suffering if it means there's dollars. And mm -hmm. I don't know I don't I don't want to project why that, that type of wording would be used or approved. Um but it it's just not it's it's not worth doing if you are a journalist. I think that most journalists are going to be your job is to be critical. Like yeah. and to me saying that gaming getting more money is important in the same vein as well they have human rights issues is just completely missing it. Like I think that 
again, gaming has a shit ton of issues. There, I think we all know that. There's enough people that ignore it already. We don't need more problems that are already being ignored brought into this industry, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to women. It's already bad enough. Like, And I think that's the thing that's the most frustrating about this industry is how driven by money it is yeah. and how quick people are to forget or ignore um, issues around the treatment of others. Um I mean, that's literally my whole shtick now is how do I take better care of my team? Because not to be mean, most other sites fucking suck at it. Mm. Like, I think that there needs to be more of a focus there. Um, We need more work on mental health. We need more work around um, labor laws and unions and, and all that kind of stuff. And bringing in Saudi Arabia into that mix isn't going to help. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I don't think countries really should be involved in, like... Private or, sector? I mean, I know it's nothing new. There's, yeah. you know, government grants and stuff, but at the same time, if they have, like, that... A huge amount of creative control, it just... I don't know, it doesn't sit right with me. Well, you say uh, grants. Cool. There's a difference between investment and grant. Yeah. I think is the yeah. big the big thing. A grant is... This is to help you do what with it what you will. There's outside of maybe the PPP loans, which are a terrible example because that went well. well there's um, no fraud in that, at least. Never, no never been. That. Never been. Um, and then investment is that government is directly involved. Yeah. And that government is also going to push policy that makes them their investment back. <laughs> and that that is where that kind of stuff can't happen that is bad 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 it's like the same issues people have with tencent but probably worse because tencent is still a private company as far as i know um the laws are a little different in china i'm sure but like it's not the chinese government owning a gaming company it's tencent so yeah yeah there's just it's more chinese regulation versus chinese control of tencent Mm -hmm. i think so tencent has to follow the rules in china but they are not necessarily controlled by china if they break one of those rules they will get smacked down yeah right yeah and i think too that this gets into that idea of i think historically governments have invested in the arts right because because there is value in building up the culture of your nation right like that like what are you saying? What are you writing? Like with your face? Kurt Schilling. Yeah. He took state money. <laughs> yeah. Kurt but Kingdoms I mean, I, of Amalur, like that's the biggest example of a blunder in the United States with gaming and government. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, right? Is that like, I think that we're getting into this point where more and more, like, it's con- like you're gaming is considered part of your nation's like culture right like Mm -hmm. america and japan have kind of dominated the global gaming culture for a while like everyone knows mario and everyone knows like i don't know like playstation right like those sony exclusives that are built here in seattle bellevue area people know that shit like destiny is based out of here but I think once you start getting into other cultures, it's a little less known. I think there there are more games coming out of other countries that more people are playing and are aware of. But I think that's part of it is that these uh, these countries are investing in it as well. I think mean, Canada is investing in some of their gaming. I think Australia mm-hmm. is as well. I think that game uh, that Auten mentioned a few weeks ago, the one with the, the musical RPG that uh, the Dragon Age uh, guy is oh, invested yeah, yeah. in, David Gator, right? That is also partially funded by the Australian government, but that's oh. in a way like an investment into your culture, right? Yeah. So then at what point is it where is this Saudi Arabia investing in its culture or just trying to get into an industry, right? Like yeah. that I think is where the, the tension is lying in this story, especially when part of the story is they want to buy another company as opposed yeah. to building up their own, you know, Saudi Arabian development teams, right? Yeah, I think that it, it kind of maybe i'm jaded too right like the united states government and corporations and our law have become so intertwined that we just don't need more of it Mm. um you know when we're acting in the best interests of the investors and the governments and the lobbyists more so than the people playing the games that's a problem yeah and 
that's where I think a lot of my trepidation comes from is it's just not good to mix government government and business. Um, the lines are way too blurred. You know, this kind of reminds me uh, on a much smaller scale, Saudi Arabia teamed up with a Japanese anime studio and they made like an anime based on some Saudi Arabian, I don't know, story. I'd like to know how that turned out and kind of see what happened there because obviously they're investing in video games now, culture, anime. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting, but yeah, I'd like to... I see some parallels to it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's the story that it's like... I, and in some ways, I do agree with Dean that, yes, there is more opportunity now. Like, when there is money, there is opportunity. The question is, who's going to take these opportunities and what are they going to do with these opportunities? That's that's what I think a who's lot of people take are them and What are the strings that are attached? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Well, I think that's a wrap on the news for this week. Let's chat about some games and for now i think austin you and i let's shut up and let rut have his 20 minute soapbox to talk about hunt showdown oh, All right, i'll take my nap now yeah go ahead yeah you can turn off your camera we come back i'll, I'll give you a call <laughs> right, got it oh my gosh you guys um, i'll put a cardboard cutout of myself and just yeah. like yeah I'm, yeah I'm gonna get on my hunt soapbox for a minute because um they dropped the details on the latest patch this week um which had a lot of fairly decent stuff. They're they're making a lot of changes to address the sniper meta, to address um, some of the ways that players play and really put more emphasis on sneaking and um, being more careful, not just kind of chatting it up. And for the most part, all of those changes are good. I'm cool with them. But what I'm upset about and what I think the community is upset about too is this new... First of all, we're in like... I don't know, like 1930s, the bayou of Louisiana, and somehow you have a bug drone uh, that you can a, throw. A it's, a lit, it's just a drone of, like, beetles. Um, like an electric drone. I don't know if it's electric. That's the thing. But as a hunter, you can control it. And I'm like, I don't fully understand mm. this, but we'll go with it, you know, the spider has a fucking face in its mouth. Um, very like if you ever look very closely at the bosses in Hunt Showdown, they're terrifying. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, like it's a big spider. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yeah. Spider is the worst. Um, yeah. But like basically, they built this as an idea to kind of stop the camping meta, in that you can kind of throw this drone go over and, and damage somebody who might be camping in a bush or something, which is very common in Hunt Showdown, and I'm looking at any of you who sit in a match for 45 minutes in the same bush. Hmm. Find something to do. Wait, um, so is, is there no, like, cause you know, most Battle Royales have, like, a circle, right? That, like, nope. there's nothing like that. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, depending on the number, if you're in duos or solos or whatever, there's typically 12 people in the match, um, at least in duos. Um and you each spawn in different areas, and the goal is to collect three clues to figure out where the bounty is, and the bounty is a boss. Um, and so the goal is to find him, kill him, and get out with the bounty. And right. once you've killed him, you have to banish, and that is the period that players can come in and try and assault the compound or whatever. The just depends on where you're at. And take you out so that they can take the bounty and get out and get the, the money that's associated with that. Um, and the bosses are unique. Some of them are super annoying. There's rumors about a new one that's coming. I'll be curious to see what that is. But the I think the core issue with the community right now is this, this drone becomes something of an exploit in mm. that you can throw this, and I've seen some videos of it where somebody just throws the drone and what it does is you can blow it up next to somebody. It does a tiny bit of damage, but it does five damage and then causes them to um, be poisoned and bleed. Huh. And if you have poison sense, which is a newer trait that they've introduced, you can see poisoned people from 150 meters away. 
so then you've essentially got aim hacks um because all you got to do is turn around and hit them and it makes um the most powerful gun in the game which is not a one-shot kill unless it's a headshot it makes it a one-shot kill after you've hit them with the drone and so not only can you do a small amount of damage but you can instantly kill that person by just immediately switching over and shooting them and you tap because you're tagging them essentially yeah yeah. Or you can equip that same gun with poison ammo, shoot the person, and the drone has poison sense too. So you shot them, they're bleeding, they're poisoned, and if you're poisoned, you can't heal. Um, and so it just it creates this loop of if you get hit by either of those, you're pretty much screwed. Like mm. You can't heal yourself, you're already down five health, so you shoot him. Or um, you shoot them, you're down to five health, and all they have to do is throw a drone at you. And it just shakes up the meta, I think, in a really negative way that no longer accentuates smart play um, in terms of tactical. It's just it becomes cancerous and frustrating. And I, m- the problem I have is that Hunt has not been respect- receptive to this type of criticism in the past from the community saying like, hey, we really don't like this. We need a rework. Mm. Um, it's just kind of been like, okay here's here's more monetization and my worry is that this continues to get we go back to where things were about six months ago where the population was on a decline and then they went oh shit everybody's frustrated let's fix the issues and so they worked on the trade window they worked on a lot of these other problems and things have skyrocketed back up Mm. my worry is we're going to go back into that trend because they didn't learn their lesson. They haven't listened to the community because the community, the Reddit, the the subreddit is on fire. Like, I mean, that's just Reddit, almost though. everybody's like, I hate this. I don't like it. Um, it's frustrating. Um, and the devs <laughs> are just quiet. And so that's my soapbox right now is I love that game immensely and I don't want to see it die. <laughs> so, so right now it's just feeling a little buggy. Fuck. <laughs> well played. <laughs> Thank you. Well Thank Which, you. to be fair, there there are. I mean, there's a a boss called Assassin that's literally just made up of beetles. So. Oh, gross. Yeah. Man, they they like their insects in that game, huh? Mm-hmm. All well, the bosses are like they're like some form of like insect. That it feels like because there's like this uh, in the boss layers. There's always this kind of like cocoony type stuff all over, mm. and so it's it's definitely it's got that vibe right um, very buggy yeah. game Got yeah it. i always find you. it interesting to hear about games that like like live service games like this where an update happens that really pisses off the community because i remember this actually happened like a month ago or so with path of exile i think mm-hmm. that went through a similar thing because i i used to love path of exile but then it just kind of, you know it gets very bloated there's a lot of like they keep adding mechanics with every season instead of yeah you know, narrowing it down and honing it and focusing on it. Honing in what's best. Yeah, exactly. And then I think in the recent, most recent update, or at least the one a month or so ago, they like kind of nerfed a lot of really strong abilities and then like lowered loot drop rate, which is like the last thing you want to do in an action RPG. Yes. Because when it's already hard to find shit and then they make it even harder to find shit, like there are people who've been looking for new action RPGs because of this or people that are jumping back to like torchlight or diablo or something because it's just not good anymore yeah torchlight (laughs) probably not torchlight 3 yeah what a disappointment you know they have a mobile game coming out just saying yeah i tried it made it six minutes into it and i was like i can't do this wow it's basically like on p because they put it on steam but it's the exact same interface pretty much um the window's like this big if you make it bigger it's not like the graphics don't get better Mm-mm. and i'm like please make a good one because torchlight one and two are phenomenal yeah yeah i can only hope that well if, if there's one you want to keep your eye on Superfuse. i played that at pax that's uh okay. raw fury publishing it it's going to be an early access maybe by the end of this year it's three there's one coming out on the 12th that was like a surprise announcement on december is a, is a new action oh, RPG yeah. coming from mm-hmm. out of Korea. That's mm. a name. Uh, okay. So that's an, it's similar to like Lost Ark, where it was it was in the East first, and now it's coming to the West. 
Um, it looks pretty it's cool. It's not really selling it for me, but... Yeah, that's... well, you play retail WoW, so... Yeah, I mean... Good taste. Best WoW. Good taste. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, Austin, do you want to talk about Diofield Chronicles? You've been playing this, this very underrepresented gem from Square Enix that just kind of shipped out there yeah. and just let it be. I mean, I wouldn't call it a gem necessarily. Mm. It's a decent game, but uh, there's some issues. You know, I at first, I, I want to say there are a couple outlets and some tweets on Twitter saying, you know, like, why, why is Square Enix you know, throwing out these games with no marketing or anything really behind them just to die. I don't think there were even review codes given. Mm. Um, it just kind of seems like they didn't want it to exist, but mm. as a tactical, you know, strategy player, I wanted it to exist. So I decided to play it. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's look, it's not a gem, but it's pretty good. I will say there are some issues with narrative. It just seems like that was a very, very much an afterthought. Um, because, like, conversations, they, they end too soon. They're very brief, and it's just a way to give you some context to fight battles. Um, so it has, yeah. the, has the opposite problem of triangle strategy, where it's, like, 80% visual novel and then 20% yeah, yeah. strategy game. Pretty much. Like... I was thinking about that actually. I'm like, well, I, I didn't really like Triangle Strategy as much because there was so much talking, but at the same time, there's like too little in Dio Field, so yeah, have to find a happy medium. And mm. um, I think if you got something in between those two games, like Fire Emblem, uh, then you know you'd be good. But speaking of Fire Emblem, I kind of thought that Dio Field would be a bit like that, but you know, there it's it's real-time instead of turn-based mm. so you can pause time to kind of like pick who you want and maneuver them but um it's not like you're taking turns with other people it's like very active and you kind of have to micromanage a bit like a rts on a smaller right. scale um but it's pretty cool like it works really well on the controller um in fact i think I mean, it's on PC as well, but I think I'd rather use a controller than a mouse for that type of thing. Because mm. uh, you're playing on PS5? Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, it feels really well. And I think the visuals are also kind of cool. There's, like, this diorama type mm. of aspect to it, which... Uh, and you can, like, zoom out from the battlefield, and your guys are, like, little, like chess pieces basically and like the whole map is basically one like square piece like it's on a game board and it's kind of cool to look at mm. but um yeah i don't think it's gonna like knock anybody's socks off and i'm kind of going through it slowly because i'm like okay i mean it's it's fun but like there are probably other things i'd rather play mm. um but i still think like if you're a fan of strategy games then give it a shot because not many people even know about it right. i was one of two pre-orders at GameStop in my town. Oh, I thought you were about to say game. in the world. No, no. <laughs> um, well, I mean, they sent the game, like, late to every store in my town, so I'm assuming it's a similar situation to other places. It's just not, like, a very popular game. Mm. Um, probably the first time some people are hearing about it, to be honest. Yeah. I, I need to ask, just because recently Square Enix has been releasing a lot of games with very questionable titles like yeah. various daylight daylight <laughs> and uh i mean triangle strategy that one's kind of obvious because you're three countries and it's a strategy game so Still sure not a very good name not a great name what in the fuck is a dio a field <laughs> and a chronicle so the island is like called dio field or something except there's like different parts of the island called like Westfield and Northfield and Eastfield and Southfield. Is it because they exist to the north, south, east and west? Yes. Of the island. Okay. Correct. Sure. All right. I don't know what the Dio is yet, but maybe like maybe there's like a JoJo crossover or something. That's the thing. I if this game is just one <laughs> giant long con JoJo's reference it might be the most brilliant game of 2022. I mean, if Dio's the final villain, like, I'll give it 10 out of 10. 
it was me dio right like if that if that's the end if that's a long con for this i will appreciate <laughs> it from afar i probably still won't play it but i'll appreciate it uh, from afar no you, you uh, i only if you're like really interested in the genre i will say like triangle strategy there are also three countries that war in this game too mm. um and like pretty much every other strategy rpg out there so yeah <laughs> right not the most original narrative yeah it doesn't seem like it uh i think let's talk about the last game on our list here i think all of us have played it. i think right you've played it maybe proteus no not yet no oh, okay oh, but... i've been playing uh marauders the last couple days trying to gotcha get a better understanding of that one because i know Austin, you played it. You reviewed it for us. You, you've yes. been keeping an eye on Proteus for a while because it was in early access. Yeah, for quite a few yeah. years, um, mm -hmm. even before it was in early access. Yeah. So Proteus is this, like, I've been playing it too. I've been playing because it's on Game Pass. It's on PC. I'm doing the stretch job right now. It's on Game Pass for PC and Xbox if you'd like to play it. Um, I would describe it as if Boomer Shooters got an HD 2D. Like, it's the HD 2D of boomer shooters yeah because like it looks I actually really... put that in my review i gave you credit though thank you <laughs> it is it is it looks really good right like it, it's all very like pixelated like a boomer shooter but the effects the explosions the blood like effects and all of that look really good it looks you know yeah. like they but it still fits on the pixelated bodies and you know the the world and the textures right yeah um outside As of usual, that it's it's you know boomer shootery right yeah i mean the visuals are usually what drive me to play a boomer shooter because other than that i mean the gameplay can be pretty similar and uh proteus is like just peak boomer shooter i love the way it looks what's mm. also cool is that you can actually like tweak the visuals you can make it even more pixelated you can turn off sprites altogether to make it 3d right um so your guns and the enemies are no longer sprites they're 3d models it's just like they added a lot of options in there which is really cool to see mm -hmm. yeah as far as like i don't know i found interesting in it is that the overworld is like it's very mario-esque yeah because like between the levels like you there's a map where you're looking like top down and you you go between like everything's connected like dots in a line right but so you move between them a la a Super Mario World, right? Which I found interesting because most boomer shooters that I'm familiar with, they're just like, it's a level select screen at best, mm -hmm. or you're just going from one level to the next, you know, like just loading one after the other, right? Yeah, there's even portals that you can go through kind of like, you know, Super Mario World, which I mm, like. I didn't so, know about that. Uh, it's a bit later on, but um, right. it, it definitely feels like that. Mm-hmm yeah it's uh as far as story goes you might be able to speak more to it than me austin because for me so far uh, the story is very generic kind of that might be the weakest part for me it's it's how it is for these types of games yeah usually it's, it's gameplay first and like story is at the way bottom yeah it's um, just de demons and hell and you're on mars and space sci-fi like yeah it's very I mean, there's, there's like a little bit of story if you select a level like mm. it says you know this is where you know the forces of chaos fought or whatever um it's just flavor text in yeah. my opinion which i'm fine with mm. again it's normal for boomer shooters yeah, i just want like to it, shoot things here for the booming and the shooting right yeah uh I will say, if you do play this game, pro tip, I found this out only after a couple hours in, and I wish I found it in the beginning. Turn on always sprint. Yep. I didn't know that was an option. So you like I just been like kind of trying to hold shift like a pleb and just turn on always sprint. It feels so much more like Doom when you do that, and that makes it infinitely better. Yeah, it's a rookie move. Well, hey, what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm as infatuated with it as you are and some of the other people on staff. Cause I know some people on staff are talking like, Oh, this is like gaudy potential. Right. Yeah. Which for me, I think there's just enough where I'm like, yeah, it's fun, but I don't know if I'm going to stick to it through the end. Cause they, they do the thing where like it's collectibles to buy weapons and upgrades, mm -hmm. which I'm 
not as big a fan of but i guess for guide potential right like you can because you have to find ore right is that what it's called yeah Ores? yeah yeah and, and some of them are runes that you have to find as well so mm -hmm. so like there's there's some things you have to like some of them are obvious some of them are like you have to secret secret rooms hidden passages that sort of thing and i don't know i for me it's like when i got to the shop for the first time and it's like oh here's the super shoddy you're one or short i'm like that's yeah. it kind of sucks because the shotgun i've been using is kind of a piece of shit <laughs> and nah the shotgun's great the super shoddy feels better though it does yeah I, I will say yeah the shop i didn't even know about it until uh it released outside of early access because as far as i know it was like a release feature mm. um i didn't really like that either in the game uh and that was one of my negatives in the review because i don't i think that in boomer shooters you should try to like find weapons as you go on and get them yeah. naturally and they'll give you circumstances in which you can use them kind of like how it introduces the minigun like it gives you this big hall of enemies that you can just mow down right it makes the gun feel more special than just buying it with collectibles and i'm kind of going through a little bit to try and unlock all the weapons but i've already beaten it so at that point it's like well what's the point you know achievements mm -hmm. i no, guess that's, what's the point right <laughs> achievements i i think it's, yeah are there like 18 guns or something there's a good amount i yeah i know that on pc at least they do the thing where it's like you know all of them are mapped one through six but then you press like if you press two once you get the pistols but you press mm -hmm. it twice you get the the dual wielding like submachine guns and you press it three times and you get the mini the minigun yeah. it's like one of those you have to cycle through on each number key you can also hold down q and bring yeah. up a menu which it makes it a lot easier but yeah I, yeah there's like two blank spaces for melee weapons i don't think they have melee weapons yet but they were planning on adding them mm. and they're actually working on mini campaign a new one so oh, wow. uh there might that's be quick. more to come yeah yeah mm -hmm. they are quick yeah that's a shame because i was hoping there'd be more melee weapons because i love how the fists work like if yeah. you just click one like it's pretty slow punch but then if you hold both left and right yeah. click it's like you fucking beat the <laughs> shit out of people you like it does no for it like polarizing oh, really? enemies yeah wow that's great like i feel like it does no damage so it's not really worth doing but the animation for it is very funny yeah yeah you have to like beat an enemy to a pulp and their body just like it it's gone uh <laughs> if you hold it down i just like yeah that's that's amazing i love it mm. That is pretty good. But yeah, I think it's it's definitely one of the highlights in terms of shooters for this year. Cause I can't think of I can't think of that many like really good shooters that came out this year so far. Um Neon White. But yeah, but that's I, I feel like a unique I, one. Metal yeah, yeah, well Metal Hellsinger too. I guess I'm talking like straightforward, like boomer shootery yeah. sort of thing. Cause I wouldn't call a Hellsinger or um, Neon White like you're not going to go in there. It's a straightforward sort of thing. Yeah. There's some strategy, some timing and all that, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. we haven't had a... I can't think of any. We get a lot in early access, but that's the thing. Like, I don't consider early access a full release. Yeah. And, um, yeah. like, 90% of boomer shooters just release in early access. And we've had a lot this year, but not a lot as far as I remember. As far as, mm -hmm. like... um full releases so right i know some people are out there saying that proteus is better than doom eternal so if, if that's like the bag you're looking for check out proteus because they're both on game pass so you can compare and contrast if you want personally i i still think i like doom eternal more and doom 2016 to an extent um but i mean they're still all really good games yeah, yeah. proteus is like if shoot if the doom series didn't evolve beyond doom three kind of or like two. i guess two where it just kind of stayed to its traditional 90s roots and yeah um this is like what the 2022 version of doom 2 would look like or something like that which, yeah i think it's a spiritual so, successor to those yeah oh yeah, yeah. definitely i mean mm -hmm. the developers were like doom modders 
map mm. model. So, yeah, they were waters. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think I like the the bombast <laughs> in Doom Eternal and sixteen a little more. Like the glory kills, the like the weapon mods are ridiculous. Like, yeah, I think Proteus is a little more straightforward with it, a little more old school with it, which yeah. has its own audience, right? It's a bit more restrained in the weapons, but not the gore. The gore is still pretty. Gory. It's yeah. Even if it's all pixelated, like it's not. Yeah. It, it doesn't pull its punches. Neither should you. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that does it for this week's episode of the Tech Wrapped Podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and if you did, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening on, and let us know in the comments below uh, which of Square Enix's games are you playing from the past week: Valkyrie Elysium or Diofield Chronicles, or have you forgotten both came out already? Let us know down below. Um, we will be back next week. And if you want more of our uh, site, we are always publishing news, reviews, and features at techraptor.net. But this show will be back in your feed next Monday. We'll see you then. See ya.